Hey everyone, welcome to the Burnett Breakdown, where I, Hunter Burnett, keep up with the news so that you don't have to. This week, we're going to be talking all about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So typically, I like to break this podcast up into national and international news, but with the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine being as big of news as it is, uh, then it just works better to focus as much on that and then get to other stuff if I can. So just to remind everyone how we got here, for the last few months, Russia has been amassing troops on its border with Ukraine. We have talked about these troops being massed on the border for the last few weeks on the podcast, and um, over the course of the uh, last few months, they've amassed, uh, it was originally like in the tens of thousands, and the United States were uh, concerned. Um, but Russia likes to do things like this frequently, where they would build up troops, make them do military exercises near a border, kind of you know make international news, um, put everyone on their toes, and they would eventually withdraw those troops. However, as they started to continue to amass troops, getting to the point where they were had over 100,000 troops, uh, Western countries really started to get worried that this was not a normal military buildup. And uh, intelligence reports in the United States started to report that this buildup uh, was uh, had the likelihood or the probability of leading to an invasion, and then eventually reports would eventually would come out and uh, say that not only is it an invasion uh, probable, um, but uh, imminent. And last time on the podcast, I had uh, I was talking about reports that uh, Russia had picked a day. That date turned out to be wrong, whether that was because intelligence leaks from the United States or what. Um, but that uh, in full-scale invasion uh, did indeed happen on Thursday morning in Ukraine. Uh, so that is uh, Wednesday night Eastern time, Thursday morning in Ukraine, Russia initiated this full-scale invasion. Now, this uh, full-scale invasion was, in a lot of people's minds, worst-case scenario in terms of invading Ukraine. So, uh, initially, there were um, there was a belief, or at least a a possibility, that uh, Putin, if he invaded Ukraine, it would be quote a minor incursion. That's kind of the famous uh, words of President Biden now. But that Putin was not going to. Uh, invade the entire country of Ukraine, but would rather just take parts of it. He did that. He did this in Georgia in 2008, in 2014, in Crimea, not just basically taking bit by bit. And in particular, there was a belief that he could take uh, the two regions that are part of the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. These two regions are Donetsk and Luhansk, I believe is how you pronounce them, and they are in eastern U Ukraine and they border Russia. And in, within these regions, there is a, a separate uh, kind of a Russian separatist movement that has uh, declared itself independent from Ukraine and a part of Russia. So these are uh, backed by the Russian government, these separatist movements. The Russian government has even been giving out Russian passports to people in this region. So Russia considers these two regions to be part of Russia. Things really begin to escalate this week on Tuesday when Vladimir Putin had his uh, military send in troops into these two breakaway regions to, quote, perform peacekeeping functions. So again, these two regions he, de he uh, declared to be Russia. He declared the people in those regions to be Russian. So he was sending in soldiers to, quote, keep the peace. Now, this was uh, seen as a huge escalation because this was seen as a precursor to a possible invasion. The thinking was that using the excuse that 
these were Russians. When the Ukrainian government uh, resisted Russian forces, that was Ukrainian. That was uh, Ukraine actually provoking Russia, and so this was seen as as the having the potential to give Putin a, an excuse to invade Ukraine. And then on. Uh, Wednesday night Eastern Time, Thursday morning Ukraine time, that is when the worst-case scenario in terms of a full-scale Ukraine invasion began. Uh, reports started to come out that there were explosions all across Ukraine, including in the capital, Kiev. And this was uh, a, a full-scale invasion in terms of uh, airborne. It was land. It was uh, uh, water. It was uh, the whole shindig. And uh, the videos are startling. The videos are horrific. Uh, seeing you know Russian fighter jets uh, dropping rockets, seeing rocket explosions all across the country. It was stunning. You know we talk in these theoretical terms of you know invasion, but we don't actually think about what an actual invasion looks like. It looks like tanks on the ground. It looks like fighter jets in the air. It looks like people being um, uh, blown up. Like it, it is. It is hor horrific stuff. And that started to occur on Thursday morning. Now, uh, we, at this point, we do not really know what is going on. We have some reports, and we have continued to get reports, but the reality is, in the midst of a war, especially one all across the world like it is from us, we just don't have great knowledge about what is going on. It's just the fog of war. Even in Ukraine, they have limited knowledge about exactly where, th how things are shaping up. And so it's going to be very difficult to, to keep up with this step by step. But what uh, is generally believed is that uh, Russia is uh, going after the capital of Kiev. Uh, they have launched what seems to be a lightning strike, a kind of lightning quick movement to get to the capital of Kiev and are trying to take Kiev and hopefully then take the president of of Ukraine, kill, probably, I mean, that's the assumption, kill the president of Ukraine, decapitate the Ukrainian government, and then uh, make the Ukrainian people submit from there. That is the going theory. Now, it is hard to tell, again, what exactly, how successful Russia is being at this and how successful uh, the Ukrainians are being are defending against this invasion. Uh, reports, as of now, have seemed to paint a picture of Ukrainian forces successfully holding off this invasion. And by successfully, I mean uh, holding it off better than the Russians thought. In other words, the Russians have not had the success as quickly as they thought. But it is important to remember that the U that uh, Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian army is vastly overmatched in, uh, against Russia. Russia has uh, just a a much better air um, capacity and has more troops, has better military in general, and so. Ukraine is incredibly overmatched against Russia. However, R Ukraine has a will to fight. And there has been video after video and report of report of Ukrainians. They are the Ukrainian government's actually just giving out guns to anyone who is uh, just on the streets, any to anyone who is willing to go and fight the Russians. Uh, because you have to remember that this is their, they are literally defending their home. The president of Ukraine has put in place a military conscription of everyone 
uh, every male 18 to 60, uh, Ukraine is now under martial law. Like this is the um, the last stand of Ukraine, and so there is a real will to fight in Ukraine that may not be there with Russian troops. That's not to say Putin doesn't have that will, but with the Russian troops, that may not be the case. And so I'm not going to count out Ukraine. Uh, Again, they are incredibly overmatched, but that will to fight does matter, especially, um, and, and the real goal is for Ukraine to make this as costly for Russia as possible. Uh, it, it's not... It is highly unlikely that they defeat Russia, but the goal is to just make it as costly as possible, make it as uh, hard for Russia as possible, because that will break their will to fight. Uh, we already see that there have been a breakout of anti-war protests across Russia. Thousands of Russians have been arrested already in these protests. And so that is a real concern for Putin. In fact, a lot of people are saying that this could be a gamble or is a gamble by Putin because it has the the probability or the possibility of not being popular within you uh, within Russia. So obviously this is immensely impactful for Ukraine. However, this is also a huge deal in terms of the world because this is the largest land invasion of one country of another in Europe since World War II. So for 80 years, the sovereignty of different countries in Europe have been relatively respected. And now Russia is uh, trying to deny Ukraine the ability to self rule and the sovereignty of Ukraine by invading them and and to take it for their themselves. So this is imperialistic. This is a huge unstabilizing event. So what does that what does this mean for the United States and the rest of the West? Well, economic sanctions have been put in place. President Biden announced sanctions on several of Russia's largest banks on Thursday, impacting more than a combined one trillion dollar in assets. Also, oligarchs close to Russia, uh, sorry, close to Putin, and Belarusian banks and officials have been hit with and targeted with sanctions, as well as Putin himself, which is a little unusual considering that world leaders are usually not specifically targeted by economic sanctions. So that is kind of the uh, the first step, the first move in consequences for Russia for these actions. So in terms of other consequences, so there will be hopefully more economic uh, sanctions put in place. And these economic sanctions are going to be really important for uh, making Russia suffer consequences for these actions. So first, there the sanctions so far have not targeted the Russian energy sector. Okay, the Russian energy sector is the lifeblood of the Russian economy. They are heavily reliant on their energy. However, Europe is also incredibly reliant on their energy. So, just for example, Germany, 50% of their coal, 55% of gas, and 35% of their oil comes from Russia. So, that is largely why these economic sanctions have avoided targeting Russian energy because it would have a detrimental impact on other economies in, Ru- in in Europe, but 
definitely German Germany in particular. The other thing, economic sanction, that has not been put in place yet that could and I believe should be put in place is cutting Russia off from SWIFT. So SWIFT is essentially the international as a database, but it's an inter it's the way that banks it gives banks ability to to uh, perform financial transactions internationally. So if Russia were to be cut off from SWIFT, it would essentially isolate them economically completely from the rest of the world. It would cut them off from, or cut Russian banks off from the 11,000 other banks in the SWIFT network from more than 200 countries. So this would really isolate Russia economically. Not only should Russia be economically isolated from the rest of the world, but I believe they should be politically isolated as well. They should be removed from every international committee, every international organization, every international relationship that they have, they should be removed from. Also, countries should sever their diplomatic ties with Russia. They should be isolated, they should be ostracized from the rest of the world. They do not, they need to be treated as if they are a threat to the rest of the world, because they are, clearly. They need to be treated as an enemy, they should, there should be no more resets, no more getting along with, no more relationships with Russia. They should be completely removed from the international organization, the international scene. Whether this will happen, I doubt, because I believe the United Nations is just a joke, but organizations like that should go, should make sure that Russia is removed. They, there's no place for a country to have international relationships with other countries when they cannot respect the right of countries to rule themselves or their sovereignty. So their infringement on Ukrainian sovereignty is a line that, that they should, that, should that, that they have crossed. They have decided that that imperialistic action was more important than abiding by the world order, and they should be treated and, and suffer the consequences of those actions. Notice what I haven't brought up yet. I haven't brought up American troops being sent to Ukraine to fight Russia in Ukraine. No one that is serious, that is worth listening to, no one has suggested that America send troops to Ukraine. The Biden administration has ruled sending troops in sending troops in to Ukraine has ruled it as off the table, okay? This isn't a serious argument. This has been used by many people to discount why we should care about Ukraine. Well, I don't want my son to go die for the Ukrainian border. No one wants their son to go die for the Ukrainian border. No one's suggesting that Americans go and die for the Ukrainians. What and, and this is largely because Ukraine is not a member of NATO. They are not a member of NATO. They have been in this weird situation where they've kind of been given a pathway to NATO membership, but they have not actually members of NATO, which means the United States is not uh, obligated by treaty to defend Ukraine. Now, they are sending troops to NATO countries to strengthen the defenses of NATO countries, particularly countries like Poland and the Baltic states in Eastern uh, Europe that border Russia. So uh, they uh, Biden announced on Thursday that 7,000 additional troops were being sent to Europe. So in all, a total of 90,000 American soldiers are now stationed in Europe. That's all throughout Europe they are stationed. So we have a huge amount of troops in Europe right now. But again, that does not mean these troops are in Ukraine. In fact, they have not been authorized to go into Ukraine, and they probably will not be authorized to go into Ukraine. There also hasn't been uh, some I, some suggestions of a no-fly zone over Ukraine. In other words, to eliminate Russia's ability to have like air control and, and air power in Ukraine. But this is 
probably not going to happen because a no-fly zone would make would say that NATO would have to would, they would have to enforce the no-fly zone. So they would have to be willing to in to uh, to uh, counteract to shoot down to prevent Russian airplanes from flying. So that would be a huge escalation with NATO actually confronting Russia in that nature. So there has been some of that suggested, but there has not been suggestions of American troops being sent to Ukraine. With that said, things could escalate very quickly if Russia decides to either involve another country, so if they decide that they want more than Ukraine— or if somehow in the process, a NATO country gets caught in the crossfires. So if you think about the geography of Ukraine, they are bordered, I believe, by, by not, I'm not looking at a map right now, but I believe they are bordered by Romania and Latvia, which are both NATO countries. Okay, All the Baltic states are really right there as well. So what you have is NATO countries that are very close to the action right now. That is serious, okay? Because that means that if Russia decides that they want more than Ukraine and they want to move on to these other countries, that's a serious escalation. If, for whatever reason, a NATO country gets involved in the crossfire, that's a serious escalation. The reason why that's a serious escalation is because once a NATO country is attacked, that's when the United States becomes involved. Because the United States is uh, obligated by their uh, by the NATO treaty to defend NATO countries. So anyone that any country, so there's two North American countries and there's 28 European countries that are part of NATO and there is this is a defensive alliance, which means that if one of these countries is is attacked, then uh, that would could um draw United States into uh, facing Russia with soldiers. So this is something to look out for. As long as fighting stays in Ukraine, that means that the United States will largely, troop-wise, stay out of it. But if, for whatever reason, a NATO country is drug into this, then the United States could quickly be obligated to get involved and should get involved because if they don't, then NATO would essentially fall apart. So what should America be doing? I've talked a little bit about what America has, the options and what is happening, but what should Amer- what do I think uh, America should be doing? Well, I think, like I already said, economic sanctions, they should, in- they should implement the strongest, sh- harshest, strictest, uh, most inf- most forceful uh, economic sanctions that they possibly can. They should remove Russia from SWIFT. They should uh, go after Russia's uh, energy sector. So I, I absolutely they believe they should do that. Again, they should also uh, isolate from the rest of the world, uh, isolate Russia politically from the rest of the world. Um, and Russia and United States should support Ukraine in whatever whatever capacity they can. So sending them whatever weapons they need, whatever materials and supplies they need, they should be supplying the Ukrainian army with whatever they need to fight Russia. And the reason why I think this is such a big deal, well, there's so many reasons I think this is a big deal. And and I'll get to the second of my newsletter in which I, I give a couple more. But one that I didn't mention in my newsletter and I think is worth mentioning is you can be, you can you best believe that China is watching. China is watching the United States and the West, and how we respond to Russia's invasion of a sovereign nation. Because China wants Taiwan. Xi Jinping, the president of China, has made that clear. He wants Taiwan. He believes Taiwan is a part of mainland China, and he is he has uh, expressed that before. And so 
there is real potential that China could invade Taiwan. This is not new. This is not revelation. This is nothing new. This has been well documented. And so China is watching the United States' response. So if China is our main threat right now, and that's what even the people who are more isolationist that I would disagree with, even they will talk about China. We don't need to worry about Russia. We need to worry about China. China is watching. If we do not respond with strength to Russia, then China will assume we will not respond to with strength to China. So they are that increases the odds of them invading Taiwan significantly if we don't hold our ground. So it is vital that we hold our ground with uh, Ukraine right now, with Russia. It is vital that we make Russia suffer the consequences of their actions because it will embolden not only Russia, but it will absolutely embolden China. And one more thing that I want to reiterate that I've mentioned before, but I want to reiterate again. The United States should also have an open-door policy for Ukrainian immigrants. The United States will not be faced with the refugee, the flood of refugees coming from Ukraine like uh, countries like Poland are right now. And Poland, in fact, is basically opening their doors to Ukrainian refugees. But the United States should, any Ukraine, any refugee just geographically speaking, that can make their way to the United States should be welcomed with open arms. The United States already has a tight labor market. Their uh, companies are struggling to find uh, employees. There is no better way to do that than immigration. And again, like I said, these immigrants that are coming from these countries where they are fleeing totalitarian regimes usually almost always make the best Americans. They make the best Americans because they appreciate America. They appreciate the values of America. They appreciate the values, the democratic institutions of America. They value the liberty of America. They are great Americans. They become great Americans. They assimilate well. So the United States should have an open-door policy. Come, we'll welcome you with open arms. Be a part of America. Know what it is to know what it's like to experience freedom, to experience liberty, to experience democracy. And I get that there's that immigration has been such a big deal, but and again, I will reiterate that they need to be they have to be able to be vetted. You shouldn't just let in everyone and anyone uh, that could potentially be a security concern. But if they are fleeing Ukraine, they should be welcome in the United States by both the government and the people of the United States. One thing to watch now as we move forward uh, is going to be energy prices. So especially if the United States goes after the Russian energy sector, energy prices in the United States are going to go up. Or they're going to go up across the world, okay? Russia is a is a pretty significant supplier of uh, energy, of oil and gas in the world. And if uh, the United States and the West decides to go after their energy sector, then that will have serious uh consequences here. Um, I think those sacrifices and those consequences of paying more for gas is worth it in order to stand stand strong against Russia, stand strong on the world stage to deter any other destabilizing actions either by Russia or China. So I think it's worth it. But this is a this is a serious concern in the fact that inflation has already been on the rise, as we've talked about before. Inflation's already been on the rise. So a surefire way to 
make inflation continue and make inflation potentially get worse is to increase energy prices because every good, every product in some capacity is needs energy, whether that's through transportation or the production process. Every good needs some sort of oil or gas in that process, which means that when those commodities go increase in price, those goods increase in price. And that's not just oil either. That is um, also wheat. Ukraine is a huge producer of wheat. And while we don't get most of our wheat from Ukraine, because the market works the way it does, the less grain or wheat that is available on the world market, the higher prices go there as well. So inflation is going to is a real serious issue already, and it may only get worse with this uh, crisis in Ukraine. And now it is time for a breakdown of The Breakdown, where I talk about my newsletter, The Burnett Breakdown, which you can subscribe to on Substack. And this week I talked about, uh, as you can imagine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So in the newsletter, as I have in this podcast, I argue that we should absolutely, as Americans, care about Ukraine. And this is largely in response to some comments that were made by some people on the right Prior to the invasion, so I, I mentioned J.D. Vance, Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, Tucker Carlson. So these are significant uh, conservatives or people on the right that prior to the invasion essentially said that we shouldn't bother worrying about Ukraine's problems. We shouldn't worry about the Ukraine border until we worry about our own. We shouldn't worry about Ukraine until we get fix our own problems. Right? There's this. It's this idea that American has America has its own issues. Why are we so worried about Ukraine? And I, I could not disagree agree with this more. I think Americans should absolutely care about Ukraine. And I and I think for and I mentioned two reasons in the newsletter for why. The first one is cuz rules matter. So following uh, World War II, the, uh, that is when the United States really established itself as being the preeminent superpower in the world. Soviet Union would become a superpower as well, but after they fell in the early 90s, then uh, America would be the ultimate, the preeminent superpower in the world. And because of that, they were able, through their rule, through America's rule, they have been able for the last 80 years to maintain uh, peace, relative peace on the European continent. There has not been an, a, a land invasion like there was prior. So for 80 years, they, through defense alliances like NATO, the United States has been able to sustain this long-term, this, this multiple-decade period of peace. And that is because they have set rules. The United States and NATO have established rules that aggressive actions will be met with force. And because of that, these countries, like Russia have not uh, provoked, have not poked the bear. And so these rules, okay, in order for them to continue to uh, maintain peace, they must be enforced. Okay, so I use the example in the newsletter of, uh, since I'm a teacher, of the classroom. And, and you can have students, okay, and if you if you have rules as a teacher and you do not enforce them, what will happen is a student will quickly pick up on the fact that if they break the rule and they aren't, aren't disciplined for it, they will continue that behavior. And then other students will see that, that student breaking the rules and not suffering consequences, and they will begin to break the rules. And soon the entire class will be one of chaos and disorder because the rules were not enforced. Okay, The behavior was... Um, it was incentivized to continue because they suffered no consequences. And that is what the world stage is like. That is what the world order right now is like. So when Russia invades Ukraine, which is a clear act against the established rules that sovereign nations should rule themselves and have the, they have the right to exist and to self-govern, 
then since Russia has broken those rules, they have to suffer the consequences. And if they don't, then it will only um, make them want to continue. It will only incentivize them to continue such actions. And they will they will do it again and again and again, and then other countries will be incentivized to do it as well. And so in order to make sure that doesn't happen, the United States needs to address this now, NATO needs to address this now, and needs to make sure that Russia suffers the consequences. And which means that they should, like I've already mentioned, enforce economic sanctions, which will come at a cost. That's the thing, is that this will come at a cost. It requires some level of sacrifice, which brings me to the second reason why I think the United States should care about Ukraine, and that is because Americans should love liberty. So liberty is a central part of, an, of being an American. By liberty, I mean freedom from external ex- uh, constraints, so freedom from others telling you what you have to do and forcing you to do something, while also having moral duties that you uh, live by, that you uh, adhere to. And so these, this combination of freedom from constraint and moral obligations is central to being an American. Okay, so you look at our founding documents, you look at the Pledge of Allegiance, the um, National Anthem, etc., you see the word liberty, and you see that because it is central to the American identity, which means that we should love liberty. Okay, and liberty, as I write in the piece, liberty isn't just, it is not an exclusive, uh, the, the, the defense of liberty as a concept is not exclusive to the United States. Okay, liberty is a good for all people at all times, which means that if we love liberty, that doesn't mean we li- love liberty some, only for us, but we love liberty for liberty's sake for everyone. Okay, so when the liberty of the Ukrainians are be, is being threatened, that means that in order to love liberty, we have to defend Ukraine and their their uh, their liberty. That does not mean, again, that we should send in troops. I've already ma- made that clear. But that means that we should support them in whatever capacity that we can. And the uh, kind of the benefit, hopefully, of this is that as we do that. We rediscover, as Americans, uh, when we go through these sacrifices and we sacrifice for the sake of liberty, the, the goal of that is that it increases our love of, love of liberty, reminds us of our love of liberty, which, again, reminds us of what it means to be an American. And when we are in a time of political polarization, of division, like uh, that has been widely talked about and reported on, when we are in a moment like that, there is no better way to recapture to recapture unity, to recapture um, common understanding of one another, common ground, than to go back to the basics of what it means to be an American. And since liberty is at that core, then uh, defending Ukrainian liberty will uh, hopefully, again, I don't say it's guaranteed, but will hopefully uh, bind Americans behind a good foundational concept uh, that we can uh, agree on. And with that, that is the end of the podcast this week. Please make sure you like, subscribe, share, post, do whatever you can to uh, make this podcast go wide and far. And uh, this week, make sure that you pray for the Ukrainians as they uh, defend themselves against the tyranny of Russia.